You are listening to The Edge, a podcast for personal development junkies and visionaries living right at the precipice of, oh shit, meets fuck yeah. I'm Nadia Munda, an embodiment and relationship coach and a lover of all edges. Stick around to listen to raw, unpolished conversations where we explore our personal and collective edges in all their erotic glory. Hello, just popping in here real quick to let you know that next Tuesday, May 23rd, I'm running a masterclass called Erotic Business, and it is all about electrifying your vision and your voice. So how flirting with your erotic edge will really electrify your business, your body, and how they're actually all connected. And this is really primarily for the seasoned spiritual entrepreneur. So think, um, if you're a coach, a healer, a priestess, medicine woman, uh, someone who's been in the space for quite a while and you're craving support with capacity, resilience, adaptability, and erotic alchemy while running your business, this is for you. Um, if you feel that you, we are really entering a new era in which sustainability comes from these pillars that I just spoke about, and not just from strategy alone, you're going to get so much out of this class together. Because you know that the biggest business hack as a spiritual woman is actually learning how to master the alchemical process and ally with your body to create more flow, abundance, and and electricity and turn on essentially in your expansion. So this is definitely not a business strategy workshop. That's not the work that I do. It's very much about reconciling these two parts of your identity with the support of erotic alchemy and energetic and somatic tools. And it's very much about becoming a more potent embodied transmission of your message, right? Uh, If you've been around in my community, you know that we're always doing everything through the body. And what I love about this is for us to be able to also come together so that we don't feel so alone in the challenges that we are facing behind the the, the, the scenes, because there's a lot of shame and guilt that can stay stagnant when we think we are the only ones going through this. When in fact, there are so many people having exactly the same experience and um, there's so many ways in which we can make this more pleasurable, more turned on and more electric for ourselves. So even if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, May 23rd has passed. As you know, we always have recordings of the workshop. You can do all of that on your own. So if you head to the show notes, you'll get a link to be able to purchase either a seat in the live class or the replay if it's after the date or, you know, you can't make it. Can't wait to see you there. Hello, everyone. Oh my God, we are season two of The Edge. I'm, man, (laughs) I'm going to be so fucking real with you guys. I have avoided, I think I've recorded like half the season already and I have avoided the opening solo episode. It's so funny how we, our minds like to create all this like pressure. And, oh, it's got to be the perfect opening episode. And what am I going to talk about? And I had it slated that I wanted to talk to y'all about, um, I guess, like the death rebirth process and give you a little bit of a personal update as to what's been going on for me since last season. And I mean, 
it's just been so convenient that I've had like construction and painters around and I'm like, I can't do it today. And then I'm like, oh no, I got to bring in all these like pillows. I usually have to bring in at least to this room, which is the room I can currently record in because I've got painters on the other side of the house. <laughs> um, and I usually have to like stuff it with so many pillows and all these blankets and so that it doesn't sound like I'm in a hollow room, even though I'm not in a hollow room. I just think there's no bed in here. So for whatever reason, it does a little bit of a, a hollowy sound. And you know what? I was like, it's fine. I'll record it next week. You know what? We'll just push the podcast one more week. We don't need to start now. Like, I mean, I was, my mind was coming up with all sorts of fun things. And I just decided, you know what? Fuck the blankets. Fuck the clear. Like I wanted to have like an outline, like here are the five lessons I've learned from my death and rebirth process. Nope. And I just decided if there's going to be clanking of ladders because painters suddenly appear, then so be it. <laughs> and I think that in the process of even recording this episode, I am getting another dose of the medicine that I've been receiving over and over again. That has been like humbling me. I mean, oof, truly, truly a layer of healing that is deeper than anything I've ever experienced, which is not to be surprising, right? Because every time we excavate, we go deeper. It's like, duh, <laughs> like, of course that's going to happen. And yet I'm still, after all these years, still surprised by the process. Like, oh shit, wait, I, I'm going deeper? And I, um, I'm coming to you so messy. I'm coming to you messy. I'm coming to you so tender. I've been crying all morning. I was up in the middle of the night, which is very rare for me in life. I, I tend to be someone who sleeps no matter what's going on in my life. But I've noticed recently having these windows in which I'm up in the middle of the night and like concerned, like worrying and anxious and just feeling, feeling how much is shifting in the collective, feeling how much our industry is shifting, the introduction of AI, the recession. I mean, there are so many variables. I think people's like buying hesitancy that's coming up a lot as a result of over-promising in the industry. I mean, there is so many variables right now that all of us business owners are grappling with. A lot of us, especially those of us running very soulful, spiritual businesses, uh, it it's so hard. It's so hard to separate our own like mission and karma and dharma <laughs> from the day-to-day -day. and this is a huge part of what I've been with lately and so sometimes it keeps me up at night and I'm just like thinking about things and I'm like what really feels most in alignment and so yeah, because I'm coming to you messy and raw and unfiltered, I literally do not even have like, like usually I'll have a little outline, like a couple of points, you know, like three to five points, like here's some things I might talk about. And um, I'm recording this because I have like a deadline. 
on submitting this to my team. And I'm trying. Honestly, I don't even know if this is going to go out because I just feel so discombobulated. And I'm hoping that this serves people because maybe everyone else is feeling super discombobulated too. And yeah, and uh, it just, if nothing else, feels helpful to know that people everywhere are feeling this way, maybe in the industry and maybe outside of the industry. I don't know. I'm so in this bubble, right? All my friends are coaches and yeah, it's like we really are in this insulated bubble. And I just have been going through a lot of my old writing from the last couple of years, you know, sometimes I write in my notes document and then I forget to post and then I realize, wow, I have all these, all these posts that I've never actually posted, all these pieces of writing. And so I'm reading through them and I was just cleaning up like what was posted, what wasn't. And I started to notice a theme that really truly in the last year and a half, I have been speaking so much every time I write, you know, I'm like channeling something and I, I've been speaking so much about alchemy and this is a word that wasn't really in my vocabulary um, before the last few years and it's been nonstop in everything I've been writing about. And I look around and, you know, because we all are downloading from the same spiritual iCloud and the same muse, um, I see that there's a lot of other spiritual female entrepreneurs who are doing the same thing. They are talking a lot about alchemy. And so I'm really starting to understand that we are in this place that has really smacked us around the last few years. I mean, we have been smacked up, down, sideways. And I know some of you like that. <laughs> I know I do on some level, even though every day I might be like, my ego's like, ah, I don't wanna. <clears throat> There's a little part of my uh, BDSM masochistic side that's like, ooh, spank me harder, daddy. <laughs> I... Man, I do. I mean, I constantly just sigh with a lot of my colleagues and friends and go like, damn, we chose an interesting time to be here doing this work. Like, talk about being schooled to the max. And I have been in the weirdest, most bizarre phase of my business. It feels so vulnerable to speak about that. Like, don't want to talk about it. That, that, that. <laughs> and yet, I think it's it's in service to talk about it. So, here we go. You know, there's been quite a few different things happening in my life. My life partnership shifted into something else that has no label in September, October, but that was the beginning of the process and it really is still going. Like there's a whole part of my life where I'm dedicating a huge portion of my energy into studying and understanding what it's like to do love a very different way. And this area of my life, although it takes up, you know, it takes up energy and it 
from the outside looks a little bit crazy. A lot of people are like, what is she doing over there? That seems like a little, a little bit of a hot mess. I actually feel so confident and have so much faith and trust around this area of my life. It feels really, really, really good. It feels rich. It feels right. I feel so on my path in that arena and I feel so incredibly lucky, so incredibly lucky to have the love of a man, even though it may not come in the format that my ego wants. Like, I just want to have life partnership and the husband and the baby and the dog and the thing, just so I can like check it off the list, right? Like there's, I can feel the part of me that just wants to be like, okay, that's handled. Um, and also of course, because there's a piece, there are, you know, there's true longing in it. I mean, I have a deep, I come from a culture where it's just so warm at home and there's always people in and out. I mean, my extended family used to just be around all the time. We would have like huge, you know, Sunday family dinners. I mean, lunches, sorry, not dinner. Sometimes they would extend to dinner. Let's be realistic. And it was just, it's very much like if anyone's watched my big fat Greek wedding, it's like, that's the vibe of my Lebanese family. And I love it. Yes, it's overwhelming sometimes. Yes, I need a lot of alone time after, but it's just so nourishing to my soul. And so as much as I love like the Scorpio part of me, the projector part of me needs a lot of alone time and I enjoy, there's a lot of things, a lot of benefits to living alone. I've noticed the last few years, I really want to build a life where I come home or I am at home and there's warmth, there's life, there's giggles, there's something someone's cooking something on the stove. Like there's just, there's life energy in the house. And so I don't think it's just ego. Like I think there's like a true longing to wanting some form of family unit, not really attached to how it looks like. I mean, I just say baby and dog because that's very much the standard, but let's be real. I'm not standard. Um, I never have fit in a box and I don't think that my family is going to be like a typical formula. I think I'm going to have some like really bizarre, <laughs> unorthodox version of it. Yet still I hold on to that. So all to say, not to go too far down like my love life world, but that world has definitely been, there's been a whirlwind there. There's been so much rearranging, but there's also been so much like finding, like I've been picking up on all these gems. I really have such a solid understanding of like what I want, what I don't want. Um, you know, Chris and I are more, um, in like a deeper level of relationship than we ever have been before. We're just, we just keep deepening. It's so beautiful to watch when you let go of the labels, like what, what can emerge in terms of just pure, pure love. And so that whole area, even though it's been up and down and all over the place, it has felt really good actually. Body has always been <laughs> a challenge for me. Body has always been a challenge. But again, I feel a level of trust and faith. You know, I have all these random, like I'm just very sensitive. And so every every day there's a new little problem, but but like I have so much gratitude that they're that they're little problems, they're inconveniences, they are manageable. Um, there's nothing that is super life-threatening at this point, um, and hopefully ever. And so I do feel so much uh, gratitude around that. And I did have, again, in this season of winter, uh, a huge, huge, huge uh, health 
situation that was like a full-time job and it took, it took so much out of me. It also really miss, like it basically put me into super imbalance and created a whole bunch of other problems and, um, had me feel really unwell. Um, I realized that when I'm malnourished, I, um, my, my mental health doesn't do great, which is like pretty obvious. Like you don't eat, you're probably going to start to be a little bit like woo in the head. Right. And so that's what was happening to me for a short period of time. And I very quickly picked up on it and went, yeah, you know what? No health, no health solution is worth this. And so I got myself back to eating, but I had lost a ton of weight and I just felt so not juicy. Like I just felt gray and I felt like, like I had aged and yeah, like I suddenly got like white hairs that I didn't have before. And I I just felt like I didn't feel juicy is the best word to put to it. And the second I started eating again, I felt amazing. I felt like this is my normal weight. This is my healthy weight. This is how I feel truly sensual and like meaty and fleshy. Like I didn't like feeling like bony you know, I'd never gone down to that weight. And so it was very confusing to me. So anyways, health piece, it's a constant thing for me to consider, but end of the day, it's okay. Like it's fine. But the piece that is just taking me for a ride, you guys, is (sighs) this theme that I think is the deepest work for me around the deepest level of faith and trust in God, in life, in the universe, which even as I say, I want to barf because I'm like, oh my God, this is so cliche. Because of course I've worked layers of surrender, layers of patience, layers of faith and trust since I've started my personal development slash healing journey. I mean, this has been ongoing, but we all know, right? When it's like a, a deep soul journey you take on a particular theme, you're just going to keep going deeper and deeper. So I'm being schooled on like another layer of surrender. And I'm like, oh, geez, come on. Can we wrap up this curriculum already? (laughs) I get so annoyed about what to me feels like inefficient. You know, I like, I like efficiency. I'm like, let's go, let's do it. And so my business the current model of my business has been a stand-in. So I would say my coaching practice since I started it about 10 years ago has been the place in which I work out all my attachment stuff. (laughs) And I know for a lot of people that's in relationship, especially romantic relationship for some in sisterhood. I'm like, a-okay there. I feel very securely attached. Granted, I'm not perfect. Of course, there's moments of dysregulation and moments of I get anxious with certain avoidant people and then I get avoidant with certain anxious people. Sure. And overall, I always trust. And this is why so many of my clients, my friends, my colleagues, they come to me for relationship advice because I get it. 
I know how to do that. That feels so easy for me and my system, even when the situations and the circumstances themselves are very difficult. Like right now, I'm not in exactly in an easy circumstance in my love life. It's actually very nuanced and complicated and probably the sort of circumstance that most people would just eject out of and be like, nope, not doing that one. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm cool over here. Like, give me more layers. Give me more nuance. I, I can do this. And the place where my little girl comes out, the place where my, um, yeah, I guess like just my deepest attachment stuff is actually my relationship with God. Um, and I'm going to use, I'm going to just say God because it's just easier. I think to think about attachment when there, when you can personify the other energy. And, you know, if I'm like, Oh, my relationship with the universe or with life, it starts to get a little bit more meta and heady. When we think of God, you know, we can often, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but we can sort of personify uh, God. and, And so it somehow makes it a little bit easier to cut and paste like attachment concepts to this relationship. And so you know, in my, my background, I mean, I was born into war. If you've been around in my community, you know that if you're just listening to you, that's my situation. It's like I was born into, um, the civil war as well as a war between us and Israel in, uh, 1981. And both wars were happening on and off, um, all the way through 1989. So nine years but the last couple of years, we, we actually left the country, so it wasn't relevant. But, but the first seven years of my life, this was the life I, 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 this was the world I knew. It was a dangerous world, and I think I felt very forsaken by God. I felt very unseen by God. I felt very alone in the early phases of <clears throat> my childhood. And so... I get to work that shit out now, guys. Woo! So fun. Um, I'm curious. Like, like I'm just noticing myself even as I'm talking about this. I'm like, oh my God, this is like so much about me and I don't want it about to be about me and I want it to serve them and I'm really hoping that me sharing so vulnerably about my particular themes that I'm working that it will bring resonance and there's a piece there for you that will give permission that will give you more compassion self-compassion more self-love and more understanding as to what's going on for you and your system and so for me the interesting thing is when you put me in a room and I'm about to facilitate embodiment I click in I am so on purpose, I'm ready to fucking go. If you put me in a one-on-one session with a client, a coaching client, I am fully clicked in. You put me in a group where I'm teaching, fully clicked in. All these places, when I'm actually coaching, facilitating, or teaching, I am 100% on purpose, and I walk away feeling so lit (laughs) and so on fire and so on purpose, like so good. And these activities usually fuel me, meaning I walk in sometimes tired, I walk out feeling amazing. They never deplete me. Never. 
I think the only time I ever started to get depleted from coaching was literally when I had like, like 15 one-on-one clients or something at some point. And that was like a little much for me. And I started to realize, oh, okay, got it. We need to bring that down, that number down a little. But as an activity, I love it. It's my favorite thing to do. And so... When I'm speaking about the attachment stuff coming up in my business, I don't mean in the actual process of coaching. That, that part feels really solid. <clears throat> Sorry about my voice, guys. This is what happens sometimes when you're up in the middle of the night. And my throat is always the place that gets hit first. And of course I started because I didn't really prep for this episode. I just was like, if I don't press record now, it's not going to happen. And so I didn't have all my usual things. I usually have like a cup of tea and some water around. I literally have got nothing except a box of my client notebooks, (laughs) client notes. Um, So when I talk about me playing out my stuff with God in my business, I'm talking about the actual business, like running the business, the marketing, the uh, recognition that I either get or don't get from marketing, right? Like the um, strategy pieces, the pulling people in, It's always been really easy for me once I'm in connection with someone, whether I meet them at an in-person event or just at a random dinner and we decide to get on a call together. Usually, unless really, unless we notice that we're not the right fit, more often than not, I end up working with this client. And so I've never felt it to be challenging to sell or enroll someone because I know the efficacy and the impact of this work and the transformation and results that I've seen over and over again. So that part feels super easy for me. Doing the actual work is great because I can hold space. I can see people also very, very easy. But for me, there's this, There's something that plays out in the very initial phase of business, which is about pulling community in. So really in the like marketing, in the, uh, what do they call it? Like community building phase, in the like list building phase, in the Instagram followers phase. It's just... It's just never really uh, clicked for me. And I feel like after 10 years in this business, it's like I've done trial and error on a whole bunch of things and nothing has ever felt really good. Some things feel better than other things, but overall it doesn't feel really good. And so there's this piece here in that area that plays out around me and God and feeling like the world is a dangerous place and feeling unsafe and feeling like I have to work so hard. This is where my fighter comes out. And it's like, well, I have to work so hard to survive and I have to like move through the challenges and mm, like, there's gotta be a piece that's hard uh, or else 
my whole worldview would crumble, right? Because then it's like, oh, well, life would be easy. And of course, every year I'm like, easeful this essence that like I'm always talking about ease and peace and flow and like that's all like I put so many intentions and right affirmations and mantras and whatever like all about like ease and feeling safe and and um because that's the area where my fighter comes up and it's like I gotta fight something there's got to be something I fight because it's like the fighter is so much of or has been and previously so much of my identity and so when there's no challenge, the fighter doesn't have a role and the fighter wants to continue to feel relevant. (laughs) And so I've been working with my fighter behind the scenes and man, okay. Trying to fight a fighter like is not the move guys. (laughs) Of course I've been fighting my fighter, which is fun. So I've been in like a lot of battle and that's exhausting Um, I've been also working with disarming my fighter, dissolving my fighter, negotiating with my fighter, like trying to send my fighter on vacation, right? Like, and this fighter has been what got me so far in life, got me through the war, got me through, you know, a film industry that sucked, with horrible, horrible misogynistic men and crazy work hours and just the impossible, like people asking for the impossible of you and me being like, yeah, I'm going to prove to you that I can do it. And I did. I did. I didn't sleep. I ate horrible food. I mean, I did everything because when I put my head to something, I will get that shit done. And what's been so humbling for me as I move deeper into alignment around my mission in the world, when I was in other industries and other careers, it was really easy to push hard and see results. So the hustle paradigm still worked back then. If I worked my ass off, yeah, sure, there were consequences. I, would, I was getting really sick, which is part of why I left the film industry eventually. My body said, you're going to get cancer if you keep going. You know, I got a very clear message. And so I shifted gears. However, I, even as I entered into the holistic health coaching world, which was my initial foray into coaching as a whole, I still, you know, it was still the, the phase collectively where we were hustling. Bro marketing was in, the funnels were in, all that good stuff was happening. And so we all hustled. That's how we did it. And it worked. If I worked harder, I would get more results. If I put in more hours, I would get more clients. And then at some point, the more I got into alignment, the more I stripped away the hustle programming, the more I was like working with feminine flow and um, surrender and receiving and just like all these other areas that are the opposite of the hustle culture, the less life was letting me get away with any sort of hard work. And so I got to this point where I could do no work or I could do a ton of work. And it was the same exact result. And I was like, um, this is very confusing to my system because 
I understand that when you input a certain amount of something, you output, you know, like input effort, output results, right? Isn't that how life works? <laughs> and so whether it was the deconditioning, um, of like my projector self, like I'm not really sure. I still don't know what's happening. I'm I'm still in it, right? I'm still working out threads of it. But there was something, there was a very clear point where life just started to be like, this formula is not going to work anymore. And at first I thought it was a temporary thing. Like, oh, okay, it's just, I'm trying to, I'm being taught a lesson here. So it's asking me to like, hustle even less, which like at that point I was working very little, but it's like, oh my God, even less than that. Okay. Let's try that. Even less than that. Okay. Let's try that. And like, I just kept pulling back on how much effort I was putting in. And, and then at some point it just got like really quiet. And I'm sure you can imagine my nervous system was like, what the actual fuck is happening here? The less I work, the less I'm like anything's working, but then the more I work, nothing's working either. And so I felt really stuck, but really, really, really stuck. And, um, it's from that place that I started to play with alchemy, where alchemy started to come in as a really important piece of the teachings here. And this is still being worked in my system. I ha I don't have the five-step formula, the plan. Like, I don't know how to tell you exactly how to, you know, have a multi-million dollar business by using erotic alchemy. Some people might get that. And I'm just working out how this is truly the next superpower for the woman in soulful entrepreneurship. And the idea of erotic alchemy is very simple. It's that our bodies, and this comes back to work I've been doing for years about using our bodies as allies, using our bodies as the most wise compass, North star vessel, uh, friend, right? Um, decision-making tool that we can. And erotic alchemy was a piece that was starting to show its face a few years ago and then has gotten clearer and clearer and clearer. And it all started when I first channeled the, the word, erotic alchemy. When I first started using that word, it was actually, there was a masterclass I taught, I guess it was probably like, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half ago. And it was about how to turn your jealousy into turn on. And so it was very niche, very specific around how do I take something that like is burning a fire into my soul and I want to kill someone into, oh my God, this is fucking lighting me up. This is electrifying my whole body. This is turning me on. And so I taught that class and was like, holy shit, this is what we always do in embodiment. We take, you know, we have a few steps. Like we start with like just being with what is acknowledging, feeling, being with what is, right? But then we also work with shifting what is. Because the longer you are present with what is, the higher chance of it naturally shifting. 
So it's sort of like when you have a little bit of a pain somewhere or, or like a tightness somewhere in your body and you breathe into it and you put attention to it and you start imagining it dissolving and you really sit with it patiently. Over time, you will notice a shift in the pain. It often gets milder. Maybe, maybe it doesn't all fully go away, but it often gets milder. And so I started to realize that in entrepreneurship, there's been so much focus on like always keep making a shit ton of money and keeping more successful and expansion, expansion. And each year, oh my God, we made, you know, 200K, then we made 500K, then we made, you know, all this rhetoric in the industry about growing and expanding. And it's just like summer, 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 and the summer balloons. And there is zero acknowledgement of the dip of the winter and how that is healthy. It's not a sign that you are broken or that your business is regressing, but that it is actually, and I remember having so much pride about the fact that every single year I made a little bit more money than the year before. And I was like, I'm on the upward trajectory. Like this is a sustainable business. And, you know, throughout the year, of course, we had months that were big months, months that were basically no money coming in. I mean, it's very volatile throughout the year, but I never, it never occurred to me that like I could go through eight, nine years of expansion and then possibly have a couple of years of a dip. Like, so that when I'm really pulling out over the 20, 30 year plan, there's going to be a winter because there's this period where life and the collective energy and your own soul is saying, okay, something's got to shift again. You have to go back into winter. You have to let the soil rest. You have to look and see, you know, I I had run like eight or nine rounds of my Embody teacher certification and like life was like, okay, we're taking a break for a year. You're not going to launch this program, which is like pretty much most of your revenue <laughs> And you're going to take a year off so that you can come back with a different vision of the certification. It wanted to be bigger, wanted to be just different. And I needed space away from that. I needed that winter. And so I think this rhetoric of like bigger, better, more summer, more more sun, more like it just, just big, big, big. It's like that is going to create a crash at some point. And I think that we are, as an industry, having a dip. I mean, part of it is also the economic recession, right? Like we have to look at the global variables. We can't, yes, we create our own reality, but also we are part of a bigger, like we are part of a bigger web of events. There's no way that something which is like coaching, which is essentially a luxury item, is not going to be affected as an industry when a lot of people are barely being able to pay their bills or they are putting aside money and going, you know what, maybe this year I don't have to, you know, pay for coaching. Maybe this year I'll put that into savings just in case there's some issues. That's all. Um, doesn't mean there aren't a whole bunch of people who are still coaching. I don't want people starting to message me and be like, you're being negative about the industry. No, I'm just being realistic. We can still, there's a lot of people who are making a shit ton of money right now and it's the middle of the recession. Beautiful, great. I'm not entertaining one or the other. I am just giving all the different facts, which is that we have to take into account the environment we're operating in, even if we might be more of an exception, which just from basic economic theory, with all due respect to everyone who's like in their manifesting bubble, not true. <laughs> We are a luxury item. 
people do not need coaching. People will choose therapy over coaching because that's when it's really like, this is part of my basic pillars of health. Coaching is about taking someone from good to great. So when a lot of people, I'm not saying we're losing all our clients, but there's a significant number of people who maybe would now think twice before going, all right, I'm going to invest in a high ticket program this year. So anyways, I don't know how I ended up on this tangent, but it felt important to talk about pulling back. Hmm. There is natural cycles and dips, natural summers and winters. It's, there's nothing to be scared about, to be ashamed about, to feel guilty about. You are not broken. Your industry, your, you know, the industry or your specific business does not need to, uh, declare death. Like everything's just going through the normal cycles it needs to go through. And so I've been really working on developing some tools that help you as you are going through that death process, as you are going through the dip, as you're moving through, like into the dip, staying in the dip, and then coming out into the rebirth process, into the rising back up, right, process, into the like reintroducing yourself. Because in the winter, we change, we change, we shift. This is the alchemical process. And so how do we take all of the, the pain, the grief, the loss, the anxiety, like just all that excess energy, and instead of having it turn inward into masochistic thoughts, into critical thoughts, into anger at someone else, you know me, I love to just get angry at God. I'm like, <laughs> that's my thing. Like I do that, I go outward and start negotiating with God. Like, why? Why is this? Ha-? You know, anyways. <laughs> and so it's like, instead of using that energy, because it's just life force energy, and it's like, okay, do we use it to unconsciously and unintentionally hurt ourselves or hurt people around us or just start getting just you know, complaining or negative about stuff? Or do we want to take that physical energy that we feel in our body and turn it into erotic energy? Turn it into, turn on aliveness, more electricity. And so I've been working like on stuff like that. I mean, down to like, I had jaw pain the other day and I was like, how do I move this energy? and move it up to my jaw and have it become hot? How do I make it orgasmic? Right, that's like the, the, the day-to-day micro version of, of how to work that alchemical process, the erotic alchemy process. But you're taking something that feels dark or negative or difficult or challenging, and then you turn it into something that's life-giving. So instead of letting it deplete you, you let it fuel you. That's the, that is the fundamental principle. And so everything is always a work in progress. I never, I'm like, all right, here, this is it. This is what I've got for you. And this framework or these set of pillars will never change. No, they're, they're everything. Our whole life is a work in progress. Collectively, we are learning we are teaching as we are also being students. And so 
this is where I'm at. I'm a student of erotic alchemy and also I'm a teacher. I believe that I'm going through this process in order to teach you and pass along what I'm learning in, in hopes that it serves you. And so one of the ways I'm doing that, I mean, I'm talking about it all the time with different posts, etc. but also I am teaching a masterclass called Erotic Business that's specifically around this topic. And this is something that I am doing on May 23rd. If you're listening to this and you're like, May 23rd has already passed. All good. We have replays. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I just always laugh because people are always like, will there be a replay? I'm like, there's literally always a replay. <laughs> I don't think there's, unless you're coming to a private retreat on Zoom or something like that, there's a replay. So, and even those sometimes there's a replay. So yes, you can grab this replay, the recording anytime it's in the show notes and, um, I highly recommend it. If you are either dipping into the death process, you're, you're in it and you don't know how to get out of it. You're feeling really stuck and, and like it's burdening you and you feel the weight of it, or you're in the process of coming out of it. You're like, Oh, it's springtime. I can feel it right? And you want some support around, okay, how do I come out into the world now? Right? How do I use this energy? So I want to, I can see the part of me that's organized that wants to tie this all into a little bow and be like, okay, so in conclusion, here are the five things we talked about. I truly have no idea what I talked about. I feel a little like I just blacked out doing this episode. <laughs> and, you know, I just... One person who really inspires me in this is um, one of my mentors, Jody England. Um, I worked with her a lot many years ago, and then I just recently... Uh, we just touched base with, with a, little, a little touch point here. And... I was reminded just in, in having a session with her again after all these years, I really like my tried and tested um, like coaches. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but when someone works, I always come back to them. I love that. And I feel like my clients do the same. I often get people like years later who are like, hey, I'd love to do a, a single session or I'd love to come back and do six months. And, and um, I find there's a level of relationship that's built that's so beautiful that we can just dive right back into. And so it's having a session with Jody and, you know, Jody is very inspiring to me for two reasons. One, she used to have a radio show where she did exactly this, or she showed up with a topic, but had no idea where it was going to go and channeled the whole thing. And sometimes when I try to have it be super clean and organized, and sometimes, yeah, I am coming here and I'm teaching a few, a few concepts, right. In a solo episode, but I also want to just come on and just be real and raw with you guys. And this is definitely one of those days. <laughs> so end of the day, it's called the edge. And this is my edge. My edge is showing up to you all. Um, this brings me into the second thing that inspires me about Jodi is she doesn't try to be who she's not. She really works with hmm, more of the darker underworld kind of vibes. And so she doesn't show up trying to be a cheerleader. <laughs> 
And I know we all have different archetypes as coaches and as facilitators. And I sometimes find myself feeling pressure again to be like summer and cheerleading and be like, hey guys, it's season two of the podcast. I'm so excited. I'm going to have so many and be like real high energy bubbly. And I'm like, this girl is a double Scorpio. I'm not, bubbly is not my thing. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean I don't have days when I'm like that, but there's the, the teacher in me grounds down and deep. And the, what I'm talking about is in the shadows. And a lot of my work is about permission to explore the shadows and to also alchemize the shadows into the light. So I'm not saying I only play in the underworld. That would suck. I play in the full range, but I love to play in that place where we get to alchemize one into the other and to have agency and feel empowered that no matter what comes to us, no matter what season we're in, no matter what's going on, no matter how raw, tender, messy we are, that we can show up and we can turn that energy into something else. Even this morning, I was feeling so down and in the dumps and sort of cranky. And I'm pretty sure I'm day 23, which is always the best day of my cycle. I say that with sarcasm. And um, I just wanted to crawl into a hole and not do anything. And I, in, in just turning on the mic and starting to talk to y'all, I moved that energy. I feel way better now. I feel more in service. I also feel like, oh shit, I might have a vulnerability hangover because I just shared way more than I think I ever have about my personal process and what's behind the scenes. And also I'm pledging to do more of that so that we can eliminate the shame of what is happening behind the scenes. And a lot of the, the businesses right now, which is that we, there's a huge shift. And so it is challenging a lot of us. We are being asked to devote ourselves deeper into our own spirituality, into our mysticism, into our dharma, into what our soul needs, into our deep childhood healing. And at the same time, we are being asked to run a business and manage a team and um, make reels all the time and write things and free content. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's a lot of pressure to do all of that. And so I want to normalize that it is hard. And each one of us has a different flavor of what's challenging us in the background. And this just happens to be mine, is feeling like I have to work so hard and fight so hard and that it's it's me, myself, and I. And leaning back and allowing the divine God life to support me feels really, really difficult. And it's not that I don't lean back and do it sometimes, but, you know, I snap in and out of it. And so the erotic alchemy piece has really helped me in the moments where I go into that contraction, where I go into like, I just want to curl up into a fetal position and die, is that I go into that breathing, I go into that okay, how can I make this hot? How can I, how can I turn myself on from an energy that wants to turn me off completely? Right. So that's that. Signing off for the day. This might be one of the longest solo episodes I've ever done. Does a part of me want to delete it and throw it into the trash right now? Yes, 100%. For sure, for sure. And again, this discomfort, I'm going to see if I can turn it into eroticism. How do I make this feel alive and electric in my body? Right. So 
stick around to hear a little bit more about who this masterclass is for. And I really um, can't wait to continue to serve you on this season of the podcast. Okay, loves. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. And um, I hope this served you. If you are looking for a mentor this year that will really help facilitate the next level of potency in your leadership and in your erotic alchemy process, which just means learning how to amplify, transmute, and shift energies that sometimes can feel stagnant or heavy or challenging or contract and you want to turn them essentially into erotic electrifying turn-on and you want to play right at that edge that I like to call the erotic edge then I highly recommend checking out my new program it's a mentorship for my one-on-one clients that is all about us learning to become masters of eros learning how to work with the seasons of death and winter and loss and turn them into something, you know, from something that depletes us into something that fuels us. And so I highly, highly recommend checking out the page. It's nadiamunla.com forward slash erotic edge. We've got a couple of different options for you. We have um, the way that I love to work is a six month container. Always it's tried, tested and true. I've been doing it for nine years. Um, and then there's also a three month container. If you are someone who likes to take everything and compact it a little bit more, if you're really working on going into an in-depth immersion over, um, a smaller amount of time, if you don't have the space to go to sort of pull it out and do it over six months, then, you know, this three month package could be an option for you as well. In both cases, you get Voxer support from me. In both cases, you get the option to do a two day in-person erotic movement immersion with me, um, which also can be done online virtually on zoom. If you're someone who cannot travel, but you really want to do this. So there are so many options, but this is a combination of sort of traditional life coaching calls combined with an in-person immersion combined with in-between call support so really it's the full uh what do they call it the full enchilada ladies um so reach out take a look at the uh site and if you have any questions you know where to find me um there's a direct link to apply there. That's always the best way to get on an exploration call with me where we really get a sense of whether it's a fit or not. Because in this particular program, I only take a handful of people a year. So I always love to hop on the phone and make sure that this is gonna be a situation that's like win, 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 where there's gonna be magic and fireworks and it's going to be the best decision for you. All right, so I hope to talk to you soon. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. We would love for you to rate and review the show. And I'd love to know your takeaways from the episode. You can do that by DMing me on Instagram at Nadia Munla.